Welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm the mom, Linda Weiniger. We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 111 to 114. We are almost done with the Doctrine and Covenants. Can you even believe that? I cannot even believe that. Um, we just passed uh, Faust's birthday. We just had that. And this is his birthday week. And so it's pretty exciting that we have an eight-year-old now. Can't even believe it. I can't believe he's eight. So we have a 12, eight, and an eight-month-old. <laughs> it, life is amazing. And we had a party over at the Airborne, and that was super fun. He got to invite his friends and cousins, and he loved it. Um, and then we're going to have his baptism here on Saturday. Um, I'm excited that he chose to get baptized a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we're kind of planning the baptism with a friend of his that lives across the street, so it's kind of fun. Um, okay, we're going to get into reading section 111. Okay, revelation given through Joseph Smith, the prophet at Salem, Massachusetts. We have Flora making all kinds of paper noise because she, she loves paper just like mom. And <laughs> we have Faust's presents that still have some wrapping paper left on them. So she's just getting into it. So hopefully that's not super annoying. Um, okay. Uh, August 6, 1836. At this time, the leaders of the church were heavily in debt due to their labors in the ministry. Hearing that a large amount of money would be available to them in Salem. The prophet Sidney Rigdon, Hiram Smith, and Oliver Cowdery traveled there from Kirtland, Ohio to investigate this claim. Along with preaching the gospel, the brethren transacted several items of church business and did some preaching. When it became apparent that no money was to be forthcoming, they returned to Kirtland. Several of the factors prominent in the background are reflected in the wording of this revelation. 1 to 5, the Lord looks to the temporal needs of his servants. 6 to 11, he will deal with, he will deal mercifully with Zion and arrange all things for the good of his servants. Okay, I just realized I need to go to a parent-teacher conference and I'm going to be late if I don't go now. So we'll pick this up in a minute. Okay, I just finished listening to Talking Scriptures podcast about these sections here and it was amazing so go listen to it because I really loved how they helped me understand like what was going on and I guess um prior to this section um the church had got had gotten a lot of debt because of the temple building and it was like you know weighing down on the prophet joseph smith and so he's trying he's busy trying to figure out how to pay for things and it wasn't a good time either because of all the persecution and so he ends up following a couple guys to salem massachusetts so that they could find gold inside of a house <laughs> and you think of it now like that's weird. That would never be like what we actually would do to earn money. Like the Lord would never send us to like go dig up some gold from underneath somebody's house. 
you know? So, but it's funny because the Lord doesn't get like super crazy mad and doesn't curse them or anything like that. Cause he understands that, you know, they're trying to do the best they can to pay for this house of the Lord that they just built and they don't know how to make money. And, you know, they have these different things going on like that. And so I think it's, it's awesome how the talking scriptures kind of points out that the Lord is both, um, someone who we love, but also someone who we fear. And it is like, they likened it to police officers and how, when you see the red and blue lights, you feel grateful when they're coming to rescue you from like somebody breaking into your house or somebody hurting you or keeping you safe from like, just cause you're walking down the street. Right. But if you see the red and blue lights coming up behind you when you're on the freeway and you know you weren't uh, doing the speed limit, that's when you start fearing, right? And so he like, they liken that to the Lord, you know? We love the Lord and we serve him, but then sometimes when we do the wrong thing, when we choose not to do something that um, is good, or that brings us closer to Christ, then we, we can fear him, you know, and we can be scared and, and we know that there's consequences attached. And so then we don't want to approach him because we're scared of what he might say or what he might do. And, um, it reminds me of that, of when Finn, um, broke the, window in the garage because he was playing soccer and he said that satan had tempted him to not say anything and to blame it on somebody else but he chose to go and talk to dad about it and dad wasn't even mad you know and i mean it's sad because it broke and we have to pay for it but dad wasn't mad because he could tell that finn was really sorry about having broken the window (laughs) Mind you, that window was broken up until we (laughs) ended up renting out the house. (laughs) So it was broken for a while. Um, But yeah, so it was, it was like, it's not like the Lord is so merciful because he knows how much, how hard we're trying. And if we can continue to try hard and just make those mistakes as we try, that he's going to be compassionate and merciful towards us. But if we choose to rebel on purpose, you know, then he's going to know that we also did that. And so we end up with the consequence of, of our actions. And so of course we're going to fear those consequences because we don't want them. So anyway, I thought it was really cool that they pointed that out. Um, let's continue to read though. Okay. Sorry. We have a lot of noise going on. I'm going to turn this off. We just had Frodo had a hard time this morning. We must have gave him some food last night that he wasn't supposed to have. And so it smells really bad. So I was trying to air it out. Okay. So, oh, so my, like, uh, Salem, Massachusetts, the prophet went over there, but he did not, um, end up finding gold, of course, (laughs) because that's just not the way that the Lord works, you know, it's, he would want us to work hard for our cash. That's 
That's what he intended for us to learn because we can learn. Look what I just found. A soccer shoe and a shin guard that we were missing yesterday. Well, that's where they are. Anyway, spraying. So here we go. Okay, I, the Lord, your God, am not displeased with your coming this journey, notwithstanding your follies. So that's the Lord telling Joseph, like, hey, (laughs) it was not a good idea, but I'm not, like, super mad at you for this. And he said, I have much treasure in this city for you, for the benefit of Zion and many people in this city whom I will gather out in due time for the benefit of Zion through your instrumentality. Therefore, it is expedient that you should form acquaintance with men in this city as you shall be be led and as it shall be given you. And it shall come to pass in due time that I will give this city into your hands that you shall have power over it in so much that they shall not discover your secret parts and its wealth pertaining to gold and silver shall be yours. Concern not yourselves about your debts for I will give you power to pay them. Oh man, isn't that so nice? Like, don't worry about your debts. The Lord is just, you know, talking about, trust me, right? He just wants us to trust him always. And I think that we can also apply that to our days, you know, like, don't worry so much about making money. That will come. But do what I ask you first. So, um, and concern not, and then number six, concern not yourselves about Zion, for I will deal mercifully with her. Tarry in this place and in the regions round about, and the place where it is, where it is my will that you shall, that you should tarry, for the main shall be, hold on, I gotta start that one over. Okay, number eight, and the place where it is, my will that you should tarry for the main shall be signalized sig- s- signalized unto you by the peace and power of my spirit that shall flow unto you. This place you may obtain by hire and inquire diligently concerning the more ancient inhabitants and founders of this city. For there are more treasures than one for you in this city. Therefore be ye as wise as serpents and yet without sin, and I will order all things for your good as fast as you're able to receive them. Amen. Okay, so um, they, the talking scriptures brethren also mentioned that, you know, he didn't get any gold or treasures that like monetary treasures to pay off the temple debt or anything like that, but that they were able to find other treasure. And it was like, concerning like the history of the people um there but i when we jump into that kind of stuff i my brain doesn't retain that so (laughs) if you want more info about that definitely go listen to talking scripture um and yeah so the lord even though he didn't think that it was a good idea to go there he's always going to take advantage of where we've gone right so if it was not a good idea to do something and we like this is what I'm getting from it and we fail at that he's not going to make that journey for nothing he's going to he's going to use that for his purposes so that 
<laughs> Nothing that we do is wasted. And I love that about, about the Lord, how, you know, when we're trying, even if we get off course for a little bit, he'll consecrate those things that we're going through for, for our gain, but for his gain, right? He's going to use our talents, abilities, experience, and skills to build his kingdom if we're still trying to follow him. Okay, we are going to start Doctrine and Covenant section 112. Okay, some background. It says that this revelation was given to Thomas B. Marsh. Oh, and this background's coming from Redheaded Hostess today. Thomas B. Marsh, and it was not the first Thomas had received another revelation directed to him in September 1837 years earlier, now known as Section 31. In that revelation, the Lord called Thomas on a mission after only being a member for a month and promised that his family would be taken care of. Thomas continued strong activity in the church, so much so that in 1835... Uh, so that's five years Five years later, Thomas was called to be a member of the Quorum of the Twelve. In fact, due to his age and seniority, he was actually called to be the president of the Quorum at that time. To think he was only 35 years old and had only been oh, excuse me, a member for five years. That's crazy. The year, because now like apostles and prophets are like called in their 70s you know and they've been members like for so many years all their lives um okay the year or two that followed the dedication of the kirtland temple brought challenges and blessings saints started moving to kirtland that was a blessing at such a pace that they could not keep up with the building needs which was the challenge land prices increased 600 percent with that prosperity came pridefulness so this is what Heber C. Kimball observed when he returned from his mission in the fall of 1836. Um, and this is in a book called The Life of Heber C. Kimball. And says, we were very much grieved on our arrival in Kirtland to see the spirit of speculation. And then in brackets, a willingness to participate in business ventures, which with, ha- with unusual risk. And bracket that was prevailing in the church. Trade and traffic seemed to engross the time and attention of the saints. Some men who, when I left, could hardly get food to eat, I found on my return to be men of to be men of supposed great wealth. In fact, everything in the place seemed to be moving in great prosperity, and all seemed determined to become rich. Okay. The spirit of pride in Kirtland will lead to great sorrow when the Kirtland Safety Society fully collapses in the fall of 1837. And this revelation was in the previous summer, which can help us understand the current state of Kirtland. The National Bank crisis was impacting Kirtland. It had began in May 1837. And so Kirtland was experiencing that fallout causing rampant rebellion in Kirtland. The loss of money proved to be a great stumbling block for many. Okay, and the Kirtland Safety uh, Society says that it was established in January 1837. It was um, began by some church leaders, but it was not a church venture. It was a private one. New members who were arriving could take a loan to purchase land. 
At this time, the financial struggles were not just in Kirtland, but the entire nation was facing a financial crisis, which was causing banks to collapse. Something that I do love is that the spirit of entrepreneurship and creating something that was not there to fill a need um, from members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is so strong. Like, I like I don't know. Um, I think it's just when you know who you are, because we're reminded, then we have that confidence to pursue those things that that we think can help people. And it's just like, I don't know, but not just help people, but in a major scale, like not just like I'm going to help my neighbor, but like I'm going to help my neighbor plus a bunch of people. (laughs) Because it's funny, like I'm thinking right now even of a business idea because um, yesterday we were talking about how there's not enough time in the day to, you know, be with your family, work on your business and all these things. And we were talking in, this was just amongst the leaders and young women's and we want to be at home with our kids because we don't want to miss out on their growth and because they're only little once. But then we also want to heed those promptings that the Lord gives us. And we know even from way back in the day, like, you know, Emma Smith and all these women back then, they could totally do all the things that they wanted to do and accomplish. And they accomplished a lot of things despite the amount of like responsibility that they had, plus they had their kids, you know? So anyway, so it's not like women are just now trying to do more things. I think we've always had that innate desire in us to have multiple passions and yeah anyway so one of the ideas that I was thinking was we need to start like a little like entrepreneur play group right where like um we take care of each other's kids during the time that we want to work on our passion projects and things like that but you know, we might not have enough money to like pay a babysitter to come, or even if we do have money to pay a babysitter to come, then sometimes it doesn't work out, you know, or just like, it's just hard to find people. Anyway, so I was thinking, what if we did like, what if we, instead of like a play group, we just set up a, like a building, we get a building and it's kind of like those co-op buildings where you like can work in groups or not work in groups, but like, you know, it's where you go to the building and there's lots of little cubbies and desks where you can like work by yourself or with other people and get stuff done for your biz there. And then you come back home and it's like you go to work, but it's not like really your workplace, right? I mean, it's not like you didn't have to rent the whole building. You just rent the space to use it. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, but we could have a daycare center there where you come and, you know, your kid is just in the daycare and somebody is taking, or a few people are taking care of all the kids there. It's kind of like a gym, you know, like the gym membership where instead of a gym membership, it's not the gym, but it's a co-working space. <laughs> and it's funny cause I just, I'm like, yeah, that would be amazing. Let's start that. But instead of just starting small scale, like let's just, you know, take care of each other's kids. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> 
I want to help more than just a couple people. I want to help all people. <laughs> so I don't know what it is. It's like, maybe it's just me. Um, I just like to think extremely big and can never accomplish anything because I don't even want to start it small. I'm like, no, it has to just be major. I'm like an extremist. And <laughs> anyway, so that was just like the idea. But I love that they were like seeing the problem that they had, that there were financial struggles. So, um, or that they had, you know, not that they set it up after they, like there were financial struggles, but like they set it up beforehand and it, you know, because it's just like a thing that it's like, oh, we should set up a bank and there's a copy place and there's, you know, little shops that sell things. And anyway, I just, I love like that industry, like, like that feel of starting new things. Um, anyway, so let's keep reading. It says at this time, the financial struggles were not just in Kirtland, but the entire nation and was facing a financial crisis, which was causing banks to collapse. This time was known as the panic of 1837. Kirtland was not exempt in these issues less than a year after opening the Kirtland safety society closed. And many members of the church lost significant amounts of money, including Joseph. This atmosphere proved to be a great testing ground for many, and sadly, 200 to 300 people left the church. As Brigham Young said, the knees of many of the strongest men in the church faltered, Teaching, um, and this was found in the teachings of the presidents of the church in Joseph Smith. Many called Joseph a fallen prophet, and a spirit of apostasy spread, including among leaders of the church. Dude, that would be really hard because... You're the prophet and because you're the prophet, you still need, you know, right now the prophet is like retired and has had, you know, years and years to build his, his retirement funds and wealth and all that stuff. And so, but like the Lord takes care of him anyway through his various means. Anyway, so like, (laughs) of course, Joseph Smith is like this young prophet and he does not have any kind of wealth at all built up throughout his lifetime because he doesn't. He's so young. And so he's trying to be a provider at the same time as being the Lord's prophet. So when you're trying to be a provider, you're actively thinking of ways to provide for your family, make money and, you know, all these things, because how else are you going to live and do things? And so the fact that he had like ideas and business ideas or, you know, partnerships with other people who had business ideas, like it makes sense because he's like trying to establish something for himself so that he can provide for his family, especially since he, he's probably concerned about the fact that like he doesn't even get to spend as much time as he'd like because he's a prophet and a provider (laughs) like so I can just imagine the responsibility and the load that he must be feeling like the weight of everything you know and even though like the Lord tells us oh you know no worries we're gonna provide for you it's still something that we worry about and so it makes sense that he would you know start some businesses and because he's the prophet everybody's like looking at him uh, expecting some kind of level of perfection poor guy he had like we know that he doesn't even have any education and the only education he's been getting is from the lord which is obviously the ultimate kind of education but also not the same 
as other people that they've been getting. It, you know, it's the whole like, you know, how do you prove to somebody that they need to listen to you if you have zero credentials that they would value, right? Like, so that's that's something really hard that he had to deal with. And anyway, so of course, when his business is collapsing and, you know, he, like people lose their money and stuff, it is it's got to be super hard for the members to like, I mean, it would be super easy to trust that like, hey, you know, you want to support the prophet and you want to help him and, and you trust him because you think he's an amazing prophet. But then like, because he doesn't do well in business or because, you know, he can't control the economy or, you know, stuff like that, like banks are collapsing and stuff. So, but now it's like, oh, great. I love this guy spiritually, like he's taken me to so many different levels of spirituality and I feel like I'm so connected with God, but on the other hand, he made me go bankrupt, you know, (laughs) I think that would be so hard for those members to try and figure out like that balance between loving the prophet and not being mad at him for losing all your money, you know? And so I can understand those members having like that hard time trying to figure out like how to balance that, Um, especially if, especially if you're just like a brand new member in the first place, right? Because these are all converts. These These are all brand new members. Nobody's been in the church for like since they were eight, you know? And so of course their testimonies aren't like super solid and their foundation isn't like amazingly strong because they're just barely starting to do that and so it's and I yeah I could just see it anyway there's a story that I'm remembering that President Nelson tells about a family with a little girl who had heart problems and he went to or they went to him for surgery but or one of their daughters died because of that but then they reached out to him um, for another daughter or something anyway. And, and he tried to, to do the surgery and she passed away and died. And then they came back to him for the other daughter and for the same problem that they had that she was having. And he tried to, you know, perform the surgery to save her life and he couldn't save her life. Dude, like that would be so hard because, I mean, I don't know what calling he had at the time, but if you like, if like picture him being the prophet and having to do those surgeries and then the, the child dies, like, like I would totally struggle with my testimony there, you know, cause you'd be like, dude, he's the prophet. He's like magic. Like he could do anything. Right. And like, why wouldn't the Lord just bless him to be able to heal everyone? Like, that's just like what I would naturally think as my brain goes there, you know, because it makes sense that that's what would happen. But we have to remember that these men are human. These men make mistakes. These men um, aren't perfect. And that some things are not in their hands. Like everything is in the Lord's hands. And so like, 
yeah, anyway, it would just be really hard. Um, so yeah, I like that story that he told because he then said that it was just something that like undid him and he couldn't, he, he swore he would never go back. (laughs) And then his wife was like, um, no, you have to go back. You have to go back. And you, if you don't go back, you're, you're going to deprive everyone of what you've learned so far and you can't give up now anyway. So then he performed the surgery, um, on many other people who he's been able to save their life. And because of it, he's the one that developed like the heart, some kind of heart surgeon surgery thing that has helped thousands of people with their hearts. But so it's a good thing (laughs) that, that he stayed with it. But at the same time, I, you know, that one person, it, it, it affects that one person so deeply that, you know, it's definitely something that would have to, would require a lot of work to try and overcome those feelings. And so the fact that there were 200 to 300 people that left the church actually makes sense to me. I mean, I'm surprised not more people left the church. So, um, so good for them that there were not as many people as I thought, but I could definitely see also how hard it would be for the prophet to just be like, so discouraged. Cause as the prophet, I would also probably be like, dude, what's up with that? Heavenly father, how come you made this happen? Right? Like I thought you were trying to get people to be members. (laughs) This is not helping you're not helping us here with this whole bank crisis and now this now I have to go bankrupt and like a bunch of people lose their money so anyway um this is what the book of saints teaches about that it says by the end of June 1837 dissenters in Kirtland had become more aggressive led by Warren Parish they disrupted Sunday meetings in the temple and accused Joseph of all manner of sins if any of the saints tried to defend the prophet the dissenters shouted them down and threatened their lives Mary Fielding who had moved to Kirtland with her brother before they left before he left for for England was dismayed by the turmoil in Ohio at the meeting in the temple one morning, Parley P. Pratt or Parley Pratt called Joseph to repentance and declared that nearly all the church had departed from God. Parley's words pained Mary. The same voice that had taught her the gospel was now denouncing the prophet of God and condemning the church. Parley's angry letter to Joseph had circulated all over Kirtland and Parley himself made no secret of his grieve grievances. When John Taylor was in town, Parley had taken him aside and warned him to not follow Joseph. Wow. Yeah. Like it's totally intense, right? Okay. So meanwhile, Joseph was still the prophet and moving God's work forward. Joseph approached Heber C. Kimball and told him, Brother Heber, the Spirit of the Lord has whispered to me, let my servant Heber go to England and proclaim my gospel and open the door of salvation to that nation. And this mission call will end up being legendary as Heber and other missionaries will go to England and baptize thousands of people. And then Thomas B. March Marsh was the president of the Quorum of the Twelve and was planning a meeting to help unify the Quorum as four of the members were were apostatizing and two had recently made amends with Joseph. Thomas lived in Missouri at the time and when he arrived, he found out that Joseph had called Heber C. Kimball to England and Thomas felt 
like that was his responsibility and not Joseph's. Thomas then met with Joseph, and this revelation was received at the time. Okay, Revelation, uh, Doctrine and Covenants 112, Section 112, Revelation given through Joseph Smith, the prophet, to Thomas B. Marsh at Kirtland, Ohio, July 23rd, 23rd, 1837, concerning the 12 apostles of the Lamb. This revelation was received on the day elders Heber C. Kimball and Orson Hyde first preached the gospel in England. Thomas B. Marsh was at the time pres- president of the Quorum of the 12 Apostles. One attempt, the 12 are to send the gospel and arise the warning voice to all nations and people. 11 to 15, they are to take up, take up their cross, follow Jesus, and feed his sheep. 16 to 20, those who received the first presence, you received the Lord. 21 to 29, darkness covers the earth, and only those who believe and are baptized will be saved. 30 to 34, the first presidency and the 12 hold the keys of the dispensation of the fullness of times. Verily thus I saith, whoop, start at work. Verily thus saith the Lord unto you, my servant Thomas, I have heard thy prayers and thine alms have come up as a memorial before me in behalf of those thy brethren who were chosen to bear testimony of my name and to send it abroad among all nations kindreds tongues and people and ordained through the instrumentality of my servants verily i say unto you there have been some few things in thine heart and with thee with which i the lord was not well pleased Nevertheless, inasmuch as thou hast abased thyself, thou shalt be exalted. Therefore, all thy sins are forgiven thee. Let thy heart be of good cheer before my face, and thou shalt bear record of my name, not only unto the Gentiles, but also unto the Jews, and thou shalt send forth my word unto the ends of the earth. So, I think this is really cute. Like, I mean, um, it seems like Thomas B. Marsh you know, because he was the president of the 12 and he had been away for a while and was like excited to come back and kind of be reunited with his brethren, you know, kind of like in the Book of Mormon when they all, when the brothers got together and it was like so fun because, you know, they had, hadn't seen each other since their, since they left on their missions to different places and their joy was now I can't remember but like the exact words but it was you know they just loved that they were still their brethren in the Lord and so that feeling I can understand that they would want that he would that he would want to like that he was excited to go see them you know like I'm excited to go see like my brethren and he was just like super pumped up and then to come and and know that some of the brethren like had left on a mission to somewhere else like I mean it would make me sad too you know like oh I thought I was gonna get to say hi to him and I know like um I think dad said something about like when his brothers went out on missions that some of them like when they came back the other brothers or brother was gone and so then like some of them hadn't seen each other for like four years and anyway like I could see how somebody could be sad about not being able to be reunited with their brethren in the Lord right um and how that would be hard to accept and you know because and especially if you're expecting you know something about expectations sometimes our expectations are that of like something that's going to happen and then something different is completely happening. And so you have to like talk yourself down from (laughs) wigging out because 
it like your expectation like what's reality is different than what you expected you know and so like I can totally understand that he would be sad and upset about it but I guess he took it he kind of got like a little too sad and upset and probably was allowing the adversary to get in there because the Lord said that um there have been a like in verse two there have been some few things in thine heart and with thee with which I the Lord was not well pleased so you know oh excuse me he could have been sad at first and then like let the adversary, you know, continue to kind of get in there and chip away at that and just, you know, start saying like, how dare they, you know, how dare he like send off like these missionaries that are the apostles. I'm the president of the 12 apostles. And, you know, so I could see how it like could escalate to a more like more than just being sad about it. Right. And so I I love the Lord, you know, telling him to let thy heart be of good cheer before my face and thou shalt bear record of my name, not only unto the Gentiles, but also unto the Jews and thou shalt send forth my word unto the ends of the earth. So like be excited that they're going to, to that they're going on a mission. It's okay, you know, and don't be offended that we sent them without talking to you because, you know, we weren't just, I wasn't sending people away and we're going to wait for you to come back because we've got a work to do, you know. And number five, contend thou therefore morning by morning and day after day. Let thy warning voice go forth. And when the night cometh, let no, let not the inhabitants of the earth slumber because of thy speech. Um, number six, let thy habitations be known in Zion and remove not thy house. For I, the Lord, have a great work for thee to do in publishing my name among the children of men. And I like that because maybe what's kind of nice is the other day I was thinking how the gospel must be being preached at all times of the day. You know, there's that scripture like that we need to do it at all times and in all things and in all places. But I was thinking about because the world has so many people on different continents. Oh, excuse me and different times and everything that the gospel could be being preached and most likely as I haven't like confirmed it but like at every hour of the day it within the 24 hour clock there's got to be preaching going on somebody's talking about Jesus and I don't know it just kind of made me happy to think like oh that's so cool um how the gospel has been spread throughout all the world like that um and that the work that the Lord wants us to do is to publish his name among the children of men. And I think I've talked about this before, but I like when they use the word publish because how many times are there those buttons to like publish your blog post, publish your, you know, podcast, publish your post, publish on Facebook, publish, you know, everything, publish your book, publish, you know, all these things include the word publish. And so um, when we're doing our publishing, are we publishing anything with the name of Jesus Christ? Are we testifying of him with every publish that we, with every push of the, that publish button? Are we including our testimony of Jesus Christ 
in the things that we publish. Because if we are, then we are obeying this commandment. And if we're not, then we probably need to rethink about what those things we are publishing are. Um, okay. Therefore, gird up thy loins. Number seven. Therefore, gird up thy loins for the work. Let thy feet be shod also, for thou art chosen, and thy path lieth among the mountains and among many nations. And by the word, many high ones shall be brought low, and by the word, many low ones shall be exalted. Thy voice shall be rebuke, shall be a rebuke unto the transgressor, and at thy rebuke, let the tongue of the slanderer cease its perverseness. Number ten. Be thou humble, and the Lord thy God shall lead thee by the hand and give thee answer to thy prayers. Oh, it reminds me of the hymn. Be thou humble. Okay, I'm not going to sing that song. Number 11. I know thy heart and have heard thy prayers concerning thy brethren. Be not partial towards them in love above many others, but let thy love be for them as for thyself, and let thy love abound unto all men and unto all who love my name. Oh, I love that. He's like, don't have favorites. At least that's what seems like what this means to me. Like, don't have favorites. Just love everyone and yourself. I love that he said to love his self. Um, right there. But let thy love be for them as for thyself. So that's neat. Maybe he needs to take a little time for self-care. <laughs> Um, number 12, and pray for thy brethren of the 12, admonish them sharply for my name's sake and let them be admonished for all their sins and be ye faithful before me unto my name. And after their temptations and much tribulation, behold, I, the Lord will feel after them. And if they harden not their hearts and stiffen not their necks against me, they shall be converted and I will heal them. Okay. See, that's awesome because, um, the Lord says he will come after us. He will make sure that even though we are tempted and having trials, he is going to be there and he's going to come get us or he's going to send people to come get us. And it's so true because I remember when I was not active, I was, um, I chose not to go to church for a while and the Lord sent his, one of his daughters as my visiting teacher to come and get me. And she did. And it, and she did it through writing letters to me and through, um, just those kind messages in her cards. And finally, when I came back to church, sadly, it was too late. I couldn't meet her in person because she had passed away. And so like, that was like the last assignment that she must've got was to help me. And so it makes me sad that I didn't ever get to thank her for helping me come back to church. Um, so the Lord does feel after us and come gets us and sends people to come help us. Now, number 14, now I say unto you, and what I say unto you, I say unto all the 12, arise and gird up your loins, take up your cross, follow me and feed my sheep. And he says that to all of us. Number 15, exalt not yourselves, rebel not against my servant Joseph. For verily I say unto you, I am with him and my hand shall be over him and the keys which I have given unto him and also to be to you word shall not be taken from him till I come. So he's like, it's fine. Like, don't rebel against the prophet. 
he's still my guy, dude. Ver- 16. Verily I say unto you, my servant Thomas, thou art the man whom I have chosen to hold the keys of my kingdom, as pertaining to the twelve abroad among all nations. To the twelve abroad all- among all nations. That thou mayest be my servant to unlock the door of the kingdom in all places where my servant Joseph and my servant Sidney and my servant Hiram cannot come. For on them have I laid the burden of all the churches for a little season. Wherefore, whithersoever they shall send you, go ye, and I will be with you. And in whatsoever place ye shall proclaim my name, an effectual door shall be opened unto you, that they may receive my word. Whosoever receiveth my word receiveth me, and whosoever receiveth me receiveth those the first presidency whom I have sent, whom I have made counselors for my name's sake unto you. And again, I say unto you that whosoever ye shall send in my name by the voice of the, your brethren, the twelve duly recommended and authorized by you, shall have power to open the door of my kingdom unto any nation whithersoever ye shall send them, inasmuch as they shall humble themselves before me and abide in my word, and hearken to my the voice of my spirit. 23. Verily, verily, I say unto you, darkness covereth the earth, and gross darkness the minds of the people, and all flesh has become corrupt before my face. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation. And as a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord. And upon my house shall it begin, and from my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. Therefore, see to it that ye trouble not yourselves concerning the affairs of my church in this place, saith the Lord. But purify your hearts before me, and then go ye into all the world and preach my gospel unto every creature who has not received it. So our first job is to purify our hearts. If we're going to preach, we have to do it because we love the Lord. So have our hearts pure, not because we're trying to anger, like, what is that word? Angrandizement? <laughs> of ourselves. I don't know. Okay. 29. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned. And again, this is not, if they're not baptized, they're going to hell. This just means if they're not baptized, they can't continue to progress towards, uh, eternal life because an exaltation, because you know, they didn't get baptized, but they can still get baptized after they die. Technically, so, um, because we can do their work for them, right? <laughs> like we just barely did La Mama's, um, sealing to her parents. And that was amazing, but we were able to do her baptism earlier this year too. And that was awesome. And so if it doesn't happen in this life, we can still get it done, but you don't want to like wait if, if you're going to decide to get baptized, do it now. Okay. Um, number 30, for unto you, the 12 and those, the first presidency who are appointed with you to be your counselors and your leaders is the power of the priesthood given for the last days and for the last time in which is the dispensation of the fullness of times, which power you hold in connection with all those who have received a dispensation at a time, at any time from the beginning of the creation. For verily I say unto you, the keys of the dispensation, which ye have received has come down from the fathers and last of all being sent down from heaven unto you 
Verily I say unto you, Behold, how great is your calling. Cleanse your hearts and your garments, lest the blood of this generation be be required at your hands. Okay, number 34. Be faithful until I come, for I come quickly, and my reward is with me to recompense. Every man according to his work shall be. No, just kidding. And every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega. Amen. Okay, and that's it for this reading. Um, I did have something that reminded me of a talk that we just heard during conference. And it was a sister, I think it was Sister Johnson. I can't remember. Anyway, she talked about letting God be the author and finisher of our faith and of our story and of our lives. And I loved it. It was a really great, really great uh, talk. So go listen to that because I totally didn't tell you which talk it was. (laughs) So just listen to all sessions of General Conference. I'm just kidding. I'm pretty sure it was in the uh, Sunday morning session. And dad will know which one it was. So maybe ask him. Okay, we're going to read Doctrine and Covenants section 113. Okay, the historical background here is, so by January of 1838, Joseph Smith was literally running for his life from those who had become his bitterest enemies, even including those who were once his closest friends. He has now been forced to leave Kirtland and move to far west Missouri. Of this time, Joseph wrote, A new year dawned upon the church in Kirtland in all the bitterness of the spirit of apostate mobocracy, which continued to rage and grow hotter and hotter until Elder Rigdon and myself were obliged to flee from its deadly influence, as did the apostles and prophets of old. And as Jesus said, when they persecute you in one city, flee to another. On the evening of the 12th of January, about 10 o'clock, we left Kirtland on horseback to escape mob violence, which was about to burst upon us under the color of legal process to cover the hellish designs of our enemies and to save themselves from the just judgment of the law. We continued our travels during the night and at eight o'clock on the morning of the 13th arrived among the brethren uh, in Norton Township, Medina County, Ohio, a distance of 60 miles from Kirtland. Here we tarried about 36 hours when our families arrived, and on the 16th, we pursued our journey with our families in covered wagons towards the city of Far West in Missouri. We passed through Dayton and Eaton in Ohio and Dublin, Indiana. In the, late, in the latter place, we tarried nine days and refreshed ourselves. The weather was extremely cold. We were obliged to secret to s- secret ourselves in our wagons, sometimes to elude the get- grasp of our pursuers who continued to their pursuit of us more than 200 miles from Kirtland, armed with pistols and guns seeking our lives. Honestly, like, why are people chasing people so far? Like, don't they have better things to do? Like, this, it makes me so mad. Um... They frequently crossed our track twice. They were in the houses where we stopped. Once we tarried all night in the same house with them, with only a partition between us and them and heard them heard their oaths and imprecate imprecations and threats concerning us. If they could catch us and 
late in the evening, they came into our room and examined us, but decided we were not the men. At other times, we passed them in the streets and gazed upon them, and they on us, but they knew us not. On the 14th of March, as we were about entering Far West, many of the brethren came out to meet us, who also, with open arms, welcomed us to their bosoms. We were immediately received under their hospitable roof of Brother George W. Harris, who treated us with all possible kindness, and we refreshed ourselves with much satisfaction after our long and tedious journey. The brethren bringing in such things as we had needed for as, as we had need of for our comfort and convenience. After our being here two or three days, my brother Samuel arrived with his family. So this is in the Joseph Smith History of the Church, chapter three, verse eight through nine. <clears throat> okay, so now in Far West, Joseph took time to include answers to questions he had regarding Isaiah chapter eleven, likely asked by those there among the hospitable group. This chapter is one that Moroni had spoken of when he appeared to Joseph in his room as a young boy. This revelation containing answers about Isaiah eleven is n- now known as Doctrine and Covenants section one. 113. So there's some facts about Far West Missouri, but I got to go pick up fast. Okay, some facts about Far West Missouri. We uh here we go. 3 year from the red-headed hostess. 3 years after the saints had been forced out of their homes in Jackson County, the Missouri legislature legislature created Caldwell County for the saints to settle in. The saints purchased the land and began to build a city called Far West. As many as 5,000 saints lived in or around Far West between 1836 and 1839. That's like a lot of, a lot of saints. Um, the Far West served as the headquarters for the church when Joseph moved there in March 1838. A temple plot was dedicated and four cornerstones were placed in July of 1838. Those cornerstones are still there today. Oh, that's cool. Governor Lilburn W. Boggs ordered some militia to surround Far West and drive the saints from the state. Oh, sad. When the saints surrendered, Joseph Smith, Hiram Smith, Sidney Rigdon, Parley P. Pratt, Lyman White, Amasa Lyman, and George W. Robinson were arrested and put into Richmond jail under horrible circumstances. This was in the fall of 1838. Then on December 1st, 1838, Joseph and five others were jailed in Liberty Jail. While Joseph was in prison, Far West served as the grounds where saints prepared to leave Missouri as the state was demanding them to leave. So sad. So sad. Okay. Um, we're going to start reading. Okay. Who is the stem of Jesse spoken of in the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth verses of the 11th chapter of Isaiah? Two, verily thus saith the Lord, it is Christ. Okay, number three, what is the rod spoken of in the first verse of the 11th chapter of Isaiah that should come of the stem of Jesse? Behold, thus saith the Lord, it is a servant in the hands of the, wait, it is a servant in the hands of Christ who is partly a descendant of Jesse as well as of Ephraim or of the house of Joseph on whom there is laid much power. Number five, verse five, I should say, what is the root of Jesse spoken of 
in the 10th verse of the 11th chapter. Behold, thus saith the Lord, it is the descendant of Jesse as well as of Joseph unto whom rightly belongs the priesthood and the keys of the kingdom for an ensign and for the gathering of my people of the last days. Okay, and in whoops, in the Redheaded Hostess, there's a quote by Elder Bruce R. McConkie from the Millennial Messiah set about the root and rod of Jesse, or the rod and the root of Jesse. He says, are we amiss in saying that the prophet here mentioned is Joseph Smith, to whom the priesthood came, who received the keys of the kingdom and who raised the ensign for the gathering of the Lord's people in our dispensation? And is he not also the servant in the hands of Christ, who is partly a descendant of Jesse as well as Ephraim, or of the house of Joseph on whom there is laid much power? Those whose ears are attuned to the whisperings of the infinite will know the meaning of these things. Oh, I think that's cool. And at the beginning, um, they had a commentary here on this verse and on verse one. And the question was that was asked was, who is the stem and who is the rod? Um, and the answer is, is Christ. And so... I think sometimes sometimes when we read Isaiah, we don't know what's going on because it's kind of confusing the way he writes. But it's nice that they asked questions and that the Lord was able to answer them here. And the Lord is wanting us to ask these questions so that he can answer them. I think that's also really neat. That I think that Satan has made it so much that when you ask a question, it's bad. And then people feel like they're not allowed to ask questions in the gospel. But it's so crazy to see that like there's an entire like book of scripture, Doctrine and Covenants, obviously, that I'm talking about, that is pretty much pure questions and answers from the Lord for his people. Like, how is it? That we don't think that the Lord wants us to ask questions. Like, I don't, like, everything that the Doctrine and Covenants is a question and an answer. And specifically here, like, I mean, because it's not written out as a Q&A, I think people don't know that that's what it is. And so when you read it, you just think, wow, lots of commandments from the Lord or lots of instruction. But... It's more just these are answers to people's questions and revelations given to people that they wanted answers to their questions. Okay, we had to put that Flora down for bed for a nap. And technically now she's already back awake because we need to do other things. But we are coming back. So verse 7 in the Doctrine and Covenants of section 113. Okay, questions by Elias Higby. What is meant by the command in Isaiah 52nd chapter, first verse, which saith, put on thy strength, O Zion, and what people had Isaiah referenced to? He had reference, and then this is the answer. He had reference to those whom God should call in the last days, who should hold the power of the priesthood to bring again Zion and the redemption of Israel and to put on her strength is to put on the authority of the priesthood, which she, Zion, has a right to by lineage, also to return to that power, 
which she has lost, which she had lost. Okay, I like this one because it reminds me of the temple, you know, to put on our temple covenants are and because those covenants are made available to us through the priesthood. And it's awesome. And totally gives us a lot of strength. And we just actually got to go to um, support Cooper um, at the Bountiful Temple yesterday. He was able to receive his endowments and make additional covenants with the Lord uh, because he is serving a mission um, and going to be set apart on Monday, actually. So today is Friday, October 8th. And tomorrow is Faust baptism. So we're trying to get everything ready for that. So that's exciting. Um, I wanted to put like a happy birthday, or not happy birthday, uh, I'm a child of God banner. And then I wanted to put a Faust name banner. And then I want to do a poster. And then I have a few 8x10s of Faust that we can hang around. And Grandma has the cake. And I was thinking we could just do like a pasta bar. So that way we don't have to worry too much about all the different types of pasta to make but anyway those are well because that's Faust's favorite too is having a pasta bar so anyway those are our plans so we need to make assignments and send those out so that people know because it's already Friday <laughs> and today's Aiden's birthday party so it's just crazy because we won't have that time during Aiden's birthday party to actually prepare for Faust's birthday which I didn't really think about I should have been doing other stuff yesterday but alas here we are so we're getting it done okay um Number nine, or verse nine, says, What are we to understand by Zion losing herself from the bands of her neck? Second verse. And the answer is the last verse, actually, of this section. So we are to understand that the scattered remnants are exhorted to return to the Lord from whence they have fallen, which, if they do, the promise of the Lord is that he will speak to them or give them revelation. See the 6th, 7th, and 8th verses. The bands of her neck are the curses of God upon her or the remnants of Israel in their scattered condition among the Gentiles. Okay. Section 114, Revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at Far West, Missouri, April 11th, 1838. Okay, the historical background on this one, it says that David W. Patton, one of the 12 apostles, remained faithful and immovable even as rebellion even as rebellion started excuse me and says in fact on February 5th 1838 the presidency of of the Missouri Church David Whitmer William W Phelps and John Whitmer had misused sacred church funds and were therefore removed from their offices. At that time, David W. Patton stood strong and spoke with the much, spoke with the much zeal against the presidency and in favor of Joseph Smith Jr. In this revelation, he is told he will serve yet another mission next spring. However, that will never come because he will die in the Battle of Crooked River in 1838. There has had been some violent mobs in Missouri that had been destroying homes, attacking women, and burning crops. When David heard what was happening, he gathered 75 men and traveled near Crooked River where a battle began. This is what followed. Okay, so this is kind of found in, or this is found in the essential 
Essentials in Church History from Joseph Fielding Smith. Um, And this is kind of like what went down. So it says 15 of the company were detached from the main hop, main body while 60 continued their march till they arrived near the ford of Crooked River where they dismounted tied their horses and leaving four or five men to guard them proceeded towards the ford not knowing the location of the encampment it was just at the dawning of light in the east when they were marching quietly along the road and near the top of the hill which descends to the river that the report of a gun was heard and young Patrick O'Banion reeled out of the ranks and fell mortally wounded. Thus the work of death commenced with Captain Patton, ordered a charge and rushed down the hill on the fast trot, and when within about 50 yards of the camp formed a line, the mob formed formed a line under the bank of the river below their tents. It was yet so dark that little could be seen by looking at the west, while the mob looking towards the dawning light could see Patton and his men when they fired a broadside and three or four of the brethren fell. Okay, Flora is so funny because she doesn't like Pancake Robot, which is our little vacuum. <laughs> She's like running away from it, but it's like hilarious because she will go to it all the time. And I don't know why she just loves going there, but then she gets so sad. What happened? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really cute. Oh boy, I don't know where I left off. Mm, okay. Captain Patton ordered the fire returned, which was instantly obeyed to great disadvantage in the darkness, which yet continued. The fire was repeated by the mob and returned by, Cap- by Cap- Captain Patton's company. Ah, uh, the first cap. Who gave the watchword, God and Liberty. Captain Patton then ordered a charge, which was instantly obeyed. The parties immediately came in contact with their swords, and the mob were soon put to flight, crossing the river at the ford and such places as they could get a chance. (laughs) Well, you don't go over there if you don't like them. Yeah, don't go there. Don't go there. Is it scary? Uh, okay. We're soon uh, crossing the river for at the ford and such places as they could get a chance. Oh boy. She was all done with that. Let's see where we, where were we at? (laughs) In the pursuit of one of the mob fled from behind a tree, wheeled a shot Captain Patton who instantly fell mortally wounded having received a hu- a large ball in his bowels oh no that's sad Patton was carried into brother Winchester's three mi- to brother into brother Winchester's three miles from the city of far west where he died that night Patrick O'Banion died soon after and brother Carter's body was also brought from Crooked River when it was discovered who he was oh that's sad that he died um, David W. Patton, let's see some facts about him. He was a farmer. He married Phoebe Ann Bab- Babcock, baptized by his brother John. That's cute. Served several missions. A member of the Cornwall of the Twelve was sent to the exiled saints in Missouri where he ministered to them. 
died in the Battle of Crooked River, was the first martyr in this dispensation. And uh, Joseph Smith history quotes that he was one of the 12 apostles and died as he had lived, a man of God, and strong in the faith of a glorious resurrection in a world where mobs will have no power or place. Oh, that's cute. That's awesome. Okay, um, we're going to read number 14, section 14, because it's very short, and we are done here, donezo after this, and then Flora can, can go and do something else besides try and ruin the recording okay so it says revelation given through joseph smith the prophet at far west missouri april 11th 1838 one to two church positions held by those who are not faithful will be given to others i'm sure we love all these sounds from this myth Okay, verse 1. Verily thus saith the Lord, it is wisdom in my servant w- David W. Patton that he settle up all his business as soon as he possibly can and make a disposition of his merchandise that he may perform a mission unto me next spring in company with others, even 12, including himself to testify of my name and bear glad tidings unto all the world. For verily thus saith the Lord, that inasmuch as there are those among you who deny my name, others shall be planted in their stead and receive their bishopric. Amen. Okay, so I think in the uh, Don't Miss This podcast, it talks about David David W. Patton. And they, um, in the Book of Saints or in a different book, I don't remember what book they were talking about. But it talked about how there's people who believe that he was sent on his mission but his mission was on the other side of the veil and i was like oh that's so cute you know um and just special to be able to think that he was serving like that and actually i remember uh one of the sons of the cook family that was in our ward a while back passed away like right after his mission call and it was so devastating and you know his family says that his mission was on the other side of the veil so it's possible that that stuff happens the lord does that um and i think that's cool but also not cool you know like (laughs) like it's sad because we feel all that pain and sorrow because they're not here with us and so so it, it, it just seems like not fair because he gets to have them and we don't and they're so young, you know. But um, but he was a good guy. And then this other scripture that kind of to me says that when we don't respond to the call to serve, the Lord's work is going to move forward with or without us. And we can choose to serve and be part of that uh work or we can not be part of the work that's moving forward and many times i have experienced where like i i act on a prompting and then i'm so grateful that i did because i can see how it blessed somebody's life but then um there are other times where i didn't act on a prompting and then i see what happened in their lives and i was like Oh, wow. And like just that feeling of like sad, um, sadness that I didn't get to be the instrument in the Lord's hand when I could have been, but somebody else was. And just that 
feeling. It's just not the best feeling to have when you knew that you could have done something and that you chose to ignore the prompting and not act on it. And, you know, not being able to be part of the Lord's work in that way. So because I know that feeling, I try to act on all my promptings. And um, I love that President Monson, they always, uh, he always says, you know, to act on on promptings and he was known to do that and would visit so many widows and sisters and when he was a bishop and I just think that's so cool that you know he could he could respond to them so um so quickly you know when he had his own family and stuff to take care of too so anyways if if he can do it we certainly can um and then today I was actually reading uh a talk or listening to a talk and one of like the quotes said to change the charity word in a scripture to friendship and he was quoting it like this friendship never faileth and I was like oh that's so cute you know because like everybody needs a friend a responsibility and nourishing of from the good word of God right that's what that's what we say when we talk about um, people who are bap- who are newly baptized or newly members, and and it's true. Like the friendship is so important. And um, anyway, so he was giving that talk about about friendship, and I thought that that was so cool that he could throw in the word friendship there because so many times the Savior talks about us as his friends, and and whenever I see that, I always you know think it's so amazing that he thinks that we're his friends and that he wants us to think of him as as our friend and because when we do you know it life is so much better with friends right and sometimes we forget that we need friends especially like me I'm kind of a homebody person and I usually am like I don't need anybody I just do my thing but then when I'm around friends and my sisters and Things like, like people, you know, I will talk forever (laughs) and then I forget or then I remember that, Hey, I love friends. What's my problem? (laughs) How come I don't remember that I love friends when I'm at home? And I think just cause like our daily distractions, we just end up being, you know, distracted by the adversaries enticings, you know, so many things can distract us from reaching out to a friend. Or from saying hi to a friend or from wishing somebody a happy birthday or um, just anything. And even good things that we're doing can distract us. And and so I love that that was the, I think it was a talk in 1999 about friendship. Anyway, it was really, it was really good. And um, let me see if I can find the, the quote that I really liked. I think it was... Um. Oh, it says friendship suffereth long. Oh, yeah, this is the scripture. Friendship suffereth long and is kind. Friendship envieth not, seeketh not her own, is not yet is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Friendship never faileth, and it's such a cool talk. Um, just about the need for friends and to be a good friend to those around us. So anyway, that 
um, that's what it kind of reminded me of. Um, that if if we want to be part of the Lord's work, that we need to act on promptings. And when we act on promptings to help other people, um, it's usually for our friends and it helps strengthen those friendship relationships. Those friendships relationships. I think that's why the word is friendship because it's part of that relationship. Anyway, so <laughs> anyways, love that. Um, and thank you for showing up. You're awesome. I love you. And we will see you soon. Say, see you later. Say, see you later, Flor. Yeah, say bye to Dada because he's, he's the only one listening right now. Say, Dada. Where was he? Yeah, is he in the phone? He's not in the phone. I know. He's at workies. <laughs> ah. Yeah, do you have things to say about this section in the second covenant? Yes, thank you. And what about... What about the other section we read? Ah, anything there? Ah. <laughs> yeah. I love you. She's so sweet. She's so sweet, this miss. We love Flora.